to the Smart Connector podcast, which looks at the power of connection in business and life. Featuring solo episodes as well as a range of exciting interviews with entrepreneurs across multiple sectors, we offer tips and advice to build your impact, wealth and success, attract others for all the right reasons, and become a Smart Connector, the architect of your amazing business and life. totally delighted tonight to welcome the legendary DJ and godfather of house music, Brandon Block. Welcome, Brandon. Hi, Jane. I don't think, I think there's a few other DJs would be a bit, bit annoyed at that. Title. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's okay. I'm allowing you to have that title. There's a few of my American friends who have that title as well, but that, yeah. It's very, very generous and very, uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. So, with a 25-year career that has spanned the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows, Brandon was the undisputed king of the Acid House generation. His pioneering residency with Alex P on the Space Terrace in Ibiza in the early 90s took club life in Ibiza and throughout the world to a whole new dimension. Brandon was known as the Joker in the Pack, the Ibiza nutter and the party animal who single-handedly created the Caner of the Year category. Uh, in 1996, his huge cocaine consumption and party lifestyle took its toll, and given just weeks to live, he entered a detox facility. And since then, he hasn't looked back. He's presented for MTV, Channel 4 and KISS 100, produced, continued to DJ, and appeared on numerous TV shows such as Celebrity Big Brother and Come Dine With Me. And from 2010 until 2015, he worked with Blenheim, the London Drug and Alcohol Treatment Services, a project worker. And he also works with multiple complex needs and chaotically entrenched people with all sorts of issues. And he also works as a stress management and goal mapping expert with various agencies and services to improve people's lives and raise awareness around mental health issues. So we're going to be talking a lot about that tonight. So we're going to have some viewers live on the group tonight and they may want to put some questions to Brandon. So if you're on the group and you're watching live, you know, don't hold back, put them in the chat and Brandon's here to answer all your questions. So Brandon, before we get into it, I just wanted to talk about music because that your passion for music was where it all started, right? So, you know, sometimes because you're such a big personality with an incredible story and history, people sometimes forget that. But I just wanted to ask you, first of all, what does music mean to you? Well, I mean, I suppose where we are now in, in, in life and in our journeys, let's say, I've come to realise that look, music's always been, it's, it's the language of love, it's the way we communicated way back when, you know, we, we sent messages through drums and noise. So it's always our innate sort of part of human experience, I suppose, moving forward, you know, coming to the present day. Mozart created these, you know, concertos with our minds in mind, if you want a better explanation. So look, music for me has always been a, I think for everyone, it, it holds emotion, doesn't it? You, you have a records which are emotive to you. And you can map your life by me. I can map my, my, my music. So I know what I was playing. I was playing in certain eras of my life. And then, so I love my pop era. I love my soul and funk. I watched my disco era. I had a little track into Scar and Reggae. 
predominantly black music. But, you know, every time I play something out of my old playlist, it's always a memory. There's a lovely, and often lovely, not, you know, you, there are your key, your go-to crime records, which I often play to get a good clear out. And like films, same with certain films have that same effect. But, you know, music, you know, it's always a go-to, isn't it? I mean, you know, when people get stressed, when you get upset, when you get, you know, in a bad place, let's say, it's always like, go put your headphones on, get escape, get some music, go for a walk, go and, you know, so it's about into nature, obviously, and music. Well, which go hand in hand. So, you know, music's always been uh, a massive part of my life and, and it, it shaped me because I think, you know, at that time when I was an adolescent sort of naughty boy uh, and my parents were getting divorced, I was the only child. So it, it affected me. And I, you know, I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. So 13, 12 years old, you're like, why is this happening? And I, I embraced my music at school in, in uh, the lunchtime discos with all the older lads. And then moving forward, just continued that and, and I suppose dove into it. It was passion and it started there. Funny, I, I will, t- I may as well say it now. My, I had a mobile disco in 1985, which was our first sort of, we had the first introduction to high purchase of DJ equipment and got my first store card, which I never been paying for like three, four, five years even. And the funny thing and the irony about it is I've still got a business card with my, me and my mate, my best mate, Ali. Uh, the name of our mobile disco was Ecstasy Disco, would you believe? <laughs> that was in 1985. So, you know, 35 years down the line, which is where we are now, 35, 85, yeah, 95, 2005. Yeah, so we are, that's 37 years, isn't it? Since, you know, started my DJ career, really. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I've never been about music. I've not been, I mean, I've been to Ibiza for every, the only scenes I've missed are the last two because of COVID. Yeah. Even, even in my, which we'll talk about, obviously, you know, my strange times, Let's we'll go into that, obviously. But, yeah, music, it, it cures all, doesn't it? You know, you can immerse yourself in that experience and you forget, you know, that Eckhart Tolle live in the present. You know, but unfortunately, it's difficult to live, do all that all the time. You know, it's been difficult. Why would you have wanted to live in the present in the last two years? It's like, wow, I don't want to live in this place. I don't want to live in this place right now, so I listen to my music. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're aware, excuse me for rabbiting on a bit, but during lockdown, I decided one morning, literally after I think the first week, that I could see that I was going to get bored if I didn't do something and, and keep myself, and, and, and obviously being where I've been in the past, I've, excuse me, I always, I've got the, the, the urge to give back, I think, from my experience. I think we all get that once you've yeah. been through, and, you know, once you've been through an experience of a type, you want to share that. It might help someone. But, you know, I, I went on Facebook every morning with my mate, Ricky, Ricky Morrison, who I DJ with and I've known for 40 years, who I was in Top of the Pops with. we talk about that later. We, <laughs> did, a, we did a thing on Facebook called Tune Tune Up every morning. At 11 o'clock every morning, and we went on and we picked a few just real le- records which had the word love in, which most of it does, played them for people just because we wanted to, and, and, and ended up getting three or 4,000 people, really like Gok did with uh, Isolation Station, but it was, wow. and, I, and I ended up getting loads of different on my DJ guest mates, so I ended up having a programme on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, started off like one day, and it just evolved, and, and by the end of it, I had a, a regular cohort of DJs who join us each week, but it was wonderful, and we just used to pick lovely records, which, you know, made us remember fantastic times. Yeah, and I think that is that's amazing, Brandon. And 
I think the thing that really stood out for me is that thing about memories, good times, you know, that connection, because that's the thing about music, isn't it? I mean, even when I when I think about I've been to Ibiza a few times and, you know, certain kind of tracks, they just bring it back. And I just think about the Ibiza sunsets and I think about the beautiful sea and the Mediterranean, and those lovely rocks and the, the cocktails and the good times and the happy people. And, you know, you can just get that. It can be encapsulated, can't it, in the one song. And isn't that powerful? I mean, absolutely. I mean, for, like last week, right, I had a, just an amazing evening. It wasn't anything, like, huge. But myself and Ricky, we used to be part of a roller skating team in Wembley where we grew up. And this was, like, when we were 13, 14 years old. And we used to go every Friday to the Roller Disco, which was in the Harrow Leisure Centre, which is a big, big uh, hall, massive, in fact. It was called the Byron Hall. And we used to roller skate and have a, a DJ called, and we knew the DJ from Friends of ours, but we were like, we were part of the, we were part of the crew, really. But I haven't skated for 40 years, and I've not seen most of those people for 40 years. I'm in that, I've never been in that venue for definitely, definitely been in there for 40 years, minimum. And this skate park was opposite. And me and Ricky, through my radio show, now with My Soul Radio, we they were collaborating. We were, we were going to do the music at the Rolling Disco. And I was like, oh, my God, that was meaning more to me than <laughs> so many other things. It, it was like I was so excited to go. And we got there. And we went behind the decks. And I took my skates. And I haven't skated for 40 years. And I, I managed to I get out. And I, I went around. I didn't fall over, thank God. But we saw a lot of our friends. And they were like 60 years old. Mm. doing disco dancing on skates still and doing backwards and side surf we used to call it and all the other tricks we used to do but they're not they're still we're the same age we're still doing it and it was like what a buzz and i played records that i remember playing at the roller disco and they'll come on and went oh Brad, we ain't heard this for years, for years. it was like <laughs> so cool and you're just buzzing yeah, that's right. You know, and music never ages. Music never dies, does it? Yeah. You know, it's just such a joy, isn't it, really? And so what I wanted to ask you, Brandon, you know, just going back to those kind of early early days of sort of Ibiza, Ibiza the house, you know, music phenomenon, the acid house thing. I mean, how did that all kind of come about for you because you were right you know there right at the very beginning weren't you slightly you know you would find probably some of the people they wasn't right at the beginning but yeah around that time so what happens about you know basically i was and i suppose i couldn't mention the d word i was very anti-drugs at the time i'd had a, a really really bad experience with some weed back in the day Mm -hmm. I was about 13 and I got given this joint which was made out of and at the time this weed was called Sensimedia it was like the strongest stuff you could get a bit not the equivalent by any means of the, the modern day stuff but strong enough for 13 year old who never smoked before so me and my cousin got absolutely wasted it's called a whitey and we were like ghosts and we, we got on this bus to go to the disco and they said you ain't coming in here look at the state of you you two it was like oh <laughs> so these young kids we had to go on the bus again we couldn't even walk straight anyway long story short so i had a very sort of i luckily well i say lucky enough didn't hold up for long but i had a big shield <laughs> against drugs back in the day so uh, I was obviously into my music and i like it doesn't matter how sweet anything as soon as i outside here i had to be I, I felt the energy and i was always in it and all my mates saying oh we've got to come and got to come hear the bells at the warehouse and i was like the bells the bells it turns out the bells was a rebel by paul Rowenfold called dance with the devil <laughs> it's got this mad breakdown it goes ding, 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 like a bell <laughs> you know woo. 
So I, I sort of held out for a couple of weeks and then we was at a party and everyone was getting, you know, and I thought, oh man, I've got to try this. So I did. And, you know, as they say, the rest is history. It didn't take me long to embrace that particular pastime. But, you know, it, it, it worked. It was a catalyst and it just, you know, it all it seemed to gel. Music, the ecstasy, the people, the, com- the community created. It was like a proper social network. And we all went out and say, anyway, when we look back on it, we all, all the same people went to the same places every week, you know, but it was still growing and growing and growing. And to this day, that scene has changed music for like, forever. Oh, yes, definitely. It wasn't a movement. It wasn't like punk or ska or disco. Or this. It, it's absolutely changed forever. It's evolved. It's evolution, not a revolution. It's an evolved evolution of music. And now every rock star, every recording artist, everyone has a dance mix. Everyone has a club mix done. Everyone has something to play in a nightclub because there's such big parts of people's life. They became even bigger than the discos. They yeah. became a proper way of life. We used to live clubs. That was our thing. You know, it, it, what an incredible place to grow up. I mean, you know, the 80s and the 90s. I just, I thought about this the other day. Wow, man, we're so grateful to have grown up in that era, you know, with, you know, and, and the evolve, and in the evolution of technology as well, we've seen so many changes. Yeah. You know, from 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 vinyl to you know, for the, for the, from the computer basically, we've been in the computer age. Yeah. So the first, you know, sixty nine when they did, or when the moon landed, so they had those huge mainframe computers. We've moved to, you know, and they say the iPhone has more chips in it than the, the space shuttle. You know, the, the Apollo. So, yeah. You know, it's a time that I remember very well, Brandon. I mean, the thing is, at that particular time, my children were really young, so I wasn't really like a big part of that scene, but I was actually running a design agency in Soho. And all of the designers, they would be in Ibiza all the time, you know, or they would be at the big clubs in London. And we were listening to the music the whole time. They would come back with all the music. And so I, I remember that time. It was a massive change, you know. It was there was a real feeling in the air, yeah. and you know, you were right at the very, very heart of it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. As I said, I got into that. Yes, I had that experience, and and basically, what I did was drove all the promoters mad to give me a set. You know, <laughs> I'll be honest, I did. I, I I got my first set in Ely in a let's say an acid house club. I was playing in other clubs, but I said, look, let me. I respect these guys, Carl and Alan. I said to them, look, let me play, man. I've sold you tickets. I sold tickets to the first sunrise party ever. I ended up. This was my thing. I was in it, and I, you know, I I, I got right in it in, in every way I could. So I got my first set, and from then I never looked back. And that was in '88. I went to IB for first in 1990 with Charlie Chester, who's very well known in the scene. He did, made the first sort of film documentary called uh, Film About Chilling up in Ibiza and took, you know, Weatherall and Primal Scream and a man called Adam all over to Ibiza, Farley, Rocking Diesel. And we went over there and uh, I went back the next year. And No, not the yeah, I went back the same year or the next year. I, I bumped into Alex again and he said, come on, play at my club. And that was it. And I went to space on that Sunday morning. I'm sure it was earlier than 99. Anyway, maybe. And then um, never looked, that was it. Every day, the space just came to me and said, we want to employ you as well for Alex. Part, part, part full-time job. Yeah. So, I mean, when you when you look back on those times now, what what, what are the feelings that you have? Oh, man. It, it was just 
so raw and so real and and there was no there was no judgment there was no comparisons there was none of the stuff we live with now which is the world's created and, and expectations none of that we just parted we had fun we we were on the the best island in the world bar none we were you know mixed rubbing shoulders with celebrities and 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 just people who were so good and real and that was so fantastic. It was like, it was like, you know, like we were like kids in a bloody sweet shop. <laughs> was, you know, we and so lucky to be there at that time. It was like amazing, you know, and, and we could musically, we would, we could play basically every week, anything we wanted. And we didn't stick to the sort of normal format. We, we went left field. We played this, you know, eclectic mix, a bit like Alfredo used to play in, in, in Amnesia, but, we you know, we played on Space Terrace and because it was the only after-hour open-air party in the world at that time, that, was not, that wasn't something that went on anywhere. Yeah. That, that was, the, that was the, the, the pivotal sort of party for the world to open up to terraces, beach parties, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, what an incredible time to be... <laughs> In Ibiza, really. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I mean, when you when you look back, sometimes you must kind of pinch yourself and think, do you know what? Uh, how amazing that I was on this planet at that particular time in that particular place with that particular opportunity. I mean, oh, yeah. it's pretty, pretty special, really, isn't it? I look back and with very fond memories, and I often pinch myself. I actually pinch myself more that I'm here alive telling the story. To be honest, yes, yes, because. Yeah. You know, it, although it was great fun and, and, and wonderful and, and all the rest of it, it, it did take its toll in the end. But, yeah, uh, I've, I can never compare it because people ask me where else. You know, they had that whole thing where, where certain other places in the world were becoming popular at one time. The Iron Apple became very popular and Turkey became popular and then the America became popular and then Thailand and the Far East became popular. And, you know, every, at that moment, each time, it always goes back to my people. Always goes back to my people, you know, and always, is that better? No, not really. Is that better? I mean, it's different. It doesn't compare, you know. Everyone wanted to know, oh, this is the best place to be. Ibiza is unique. It's magical. It's magical. It's 24-hour party island, and I personally love it. <laughs> um, it's not anymore, nowhere near, but, you know, it, it, it's still a magical place. It still has yeah. an incredible, yeah. you know, and, and it's very business now, you know. So, I mean, but, yeah. Right. So, so Brandon, I've got some questions coming through because we've got quite a lot of comments coming through. So I'm just going to go through some of the questions, if that's okay with you. Yeah, so the first one is from Sharon, and she says, does Brandon work out to music? I can't work out to get up in the morning, let about work out to music. You know what? Yes, sometimes I... I tell you what I do, I ride my bike to music more than like in a gym because I, I like to go, because I, thanks for the question, Sharon. I've moved to Bournemouth recently, last year, in fact, and, and I just, another a moment of, I just couldn't stand the, the business of London. I think lockdown, I just thought, wow, I ride my bike on the road at seven in the morning, six in the morning. No one's around. I rode down the canal for about 10 miles, the Grand Union every every day and I just oh my watch nature grow and I thought this is wonderful and as soon as you're allowed back on the road it was like bedlam I thought oh no man I can't do this anymore I really can't I've got to get out and so I moved to Bournemouth so I've got the beach 10 miles of it so most mornings not most so every three or three, three days I ride down the beach and I got my music on and I ride up and down and 
just just look at the sea. And I dip in the sea. We do we do the sea swimming swimming in the freezing cold. Wow, that's that's pretty brave. <laughs> okay, that's the answer your question. Yeah, that that's brilliant. Now we've got Jason who says, uh, "Tell Brand and I said hi, Top Man uh, slash DJ. I worked at many clubs with near with him." Middlesex and Hearts, Winkers, etc. I've got to say, my daughter also worked at Winkers. My when I said I was interviewing you, Brandon, she was like, "What, Brandon?" I said, "Yes, yes." So <laughs> I was there last week. I met oh, that. Really, really. Okay, so so that's a local nightclub in Gerrard's Cross where my it's daughter true. worked for quite a long time. And then Jason says, "I knew Ricky and Diesel from Rocky and Diesel from Hayes." I don't know whether that means anything to you, Brandon. Yeah, but... Rocky and Diesel were massive. They were actually part of Express Two, and also they did. You know the, the track Lazy then went to number one. Yeah, the Rocking Diesel were part of that group, so they okay. were huge DJs, and they're from Hayes as well, the Brookhouse pub. Yeah, Hayes will know that. Yeah. Um, it was a huge, a huge representation of sort of acid house from from West London. Yeah, yeah. Weatherall, Terry Farley, they're all from West London. Dean yeah. Fatter. Amazing. So, so Brandon, you know, let's get on to this whole thing about the drugs. That was obviously a massive part of the whole kind of acid house scene, obviously all the ecstasy, the cocaine. That was very pivotal for you, wasn't it, in terms of basically your whole kind of history. And then you almost died and then you came back from there. So, what do you have to offer to our audience in terms of your own personal story and history in that respect? Well, so basically, I mean, look, the party got the better of us. And look, we know now with the learning that's around that, that, that you attribute a lot to your... It's quite complicated when you think about it, you unpick it. But let's, let's say, let's say you have... The reason they say that now that you become... I don't like the word, but I'll use it, addicted. Because we're all addicted. Everyone is listening to me, all addicts. Every human is an addict. It's a creature of behaviour. You learn to do something, you like doing it, you'll do it again and again and again. So don't, you know, believe that all that said about that stuff. But I suppose, look, I love the party. I was at Ace. I didn't realise I had, obviously, undown issues because I wasn't counselling myself back then. I that, that wasn't, that was, that information wasn't available. And, and, and a lot of the, the it's called interventions weren't available back then in the 90s, 1990. And then who wanted to do it without having fun? It wasn't even about that. No one knew about the um, problems of drugs and stuff at that time. We just used to party and I partied hard. I really did. So I just, I took it to the max from most everything. And I suppose there was a lot of self-loathing in that and self-low self-esteem. But unbeknown to me at the time, you just used to party out there and who, you know, it was, I suppose, the underneath. If you knew all those consequences, you probably wouldn't have done as mad as you, you did. But anyway, look, so, yeah, the cocaine habit took, took me to places. I won't mention the amount because it's embarrassing. It was horrendous. It was an existence. I was existing on drugs, cocaine. I wasn't living. I was existing. And it was literally a daily routine, every day, all day. And at, yeah. the, end, at the end of my using, it was literally 24 hours and i'm not being funny but that was like two and a half three months like that yeah until i actually nearly killed over and, and came to a my brain gave up on me my body was giving up on me. my brain actually said to me i've had enough i didn't want any more of that stuff in me yeah i was sitting, I was sitting in the hospital in fact at norfolk park in west london yeah 
knocking backwards and forwards like this with it's called cocaine bug sorry and uh, yeah I, my brain clunked and I, I i worked out what it was later on i didn't have the tools then and i had no idea why but i just remember and i think what it was it was my finally let go of all my anxiety uh-huh and i let go of everything about the fear of living without drugs let's say i think my mm-hmm. fear was that i've gone so far down the road with this stuff that there was no way i could live without so having that alongside all the guilt shame and everything else mm-hmm. uh, it, my brain clunked it was like because your brain's made of neurons and neurons and it all meshes together and we you know what, what's that word that's a term fired and wired that's it so you fire and neuron, you wire it rewire it whatever so mine just went and sort of clunked it went into a duke so finally my all my anxiety left me and i had a clarity a moment of clarity and i thought i just don't want to do this anymore i've had it i can't i can't make any excuses up because i've used every single one of them mm-hmm. over and over again over and over again and I, and basically i then took the action and, and found somewhere to go and get i knew i couldn't do on my own it was too much and i found somewhere and you know it worked. I had a couple of slips and called it back in, you know, the first month or so. But after that, 96 was my final swan song. I didn't, I didn't take cocaine again. A lot of people say different, but that's their stuff. And I don't, <laughs> I don't, uh, well, yeah, you know, yeah. but listen, not anymore because, I, you know, I, I'm on a different path and uh, I don't think about that anymore, ever. I haven't done for years. Mm-hmm. So, it's, but you think about it now and, and, I've got friends who are 30 years old. I think, bloody, that's a lifetime. That is a lifetime. We, we, I'd, I'd done all that madness by the time I was 30, you know? Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. Second lifetime, which is, and, and, and how grateful to be here, because as I said, I was given two weeks leave by a very influential doctor who's still my mentor to this day, would you believe? Oh, that's amazing. He's a psychiatrist. He's now at the Priory. Yeah. Uh, he was the head of Chelsea and Westminster back in the day, and he was my mentor. So he saved my life, really. He's quoted in my book, actually. And he said to me that he's never met anyone who took as much gear and still could stand up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I speak to him still. And, I was, you know, I've got some friends who we've got a little group. We're working together. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he recommended we, we get together, basically. So, you know, he's a great man. Bill Shanahan, his name is. So I really, you know, I owe him a lot of my life. Although a lot of it was me. I mean, I, I didn't go in and I didn't float in on a cloud. I walked into that hospital with good intention and, and came out with better intentions, I suppose. Yeah. So, I mean, that, you know, that is really powerful. And actually, Sharon is pointing out that today is World Health Day. I don't know if you knew that, Brandon, but... Every day now, Sharon, is going to be World Health Day because everyone's yeah. so, so uh, overwhelmed with life since, yeah. uh, since coming back into sort of semi-reality. It's just... Uh, we have to be mindful every day of how we're we're uh, presenting because uh, we can get so sucked in really quickly and easily again, even more so because of what's going on. So yeah, but World World Health Day, good. Be healthy. Do something good for yourselves. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, let's talk about that. You've that you're doing. Obviously, you're still passionate about music. You still DJ. That's very much a part always going to be a part of your life isn't it Brandon and also you know you've been very popular as a as a guest on certain kind of reality tv shows haven't you you've been on on celebrity oh, yeah. big brother and come dine with me and all of those kind of things I mean how was that experience for you I, so look, I, I say to people that when when you know when I when I actually stopped 
you know, the drugs all them years ago, and then finally sort of was able to 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 get out of that, my 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 anxious state. Let's say my my world started opening up, right? So although it was very exciting and I've been through great fun and all that, it was still very insular. Yeah. But my world started opening, so I got off of these like so I got off of all these. So I did my own reality show called Blocko's Bricks, which was on Rapture Channel, a cable channel at the time, our Sky Channel. I got off, yeah, I, I, I became this sort of slip, not sort of, it? Icon. <laughs> well, no, not icon, but you see, Tamar says, Tamar Hussein's a good mate, he says a great thing, he says, we're Z-list, we're Z-list <laughs> And that's because Z in the alphabet comes next to A, <laughs> if you go around. <laughs> so, yeah, so I became this, I suppose, a celebrity in a way, where I got invited to all the big, I mean, you started playing at all the big parties in London, you know, like Sugar Reef and Red Cube, all the clubs, because... Mark Fuller was a good friends of ours. So, you know, we had Embassy and, you know, Red Cube and all that stuff, Sugar Reef and, and uh, the, the Atlantic Bar and China Whites and all that whole sort yeah, of yeah. more posh clubbing type thing started yeah. up, didn't it? So it was part of that. And then, yeah, I did, I got offered a lot of reality shows. Well, you know, fair few. I did get a celebrity with my brother. I went to um, get me out of here, first one they ever did. And that was after, but it was in 94 or 5, and I was still pretty out there. So uh, probably wouldn't have lasted very long. But, yeah, I, you know, it was, it was a strange one how that all happened. I, look, I love the experience. I think it was great. And, you know, it just happened. And I, I don't know how I just, you know, I, I really enjoyed it at the time. But, you know, see, yeah. Sorry. You can just well, say I was going to say, Brandon, you know, I, I think it probably happened because you are a larger than life personality with an incredible history, you know, and I think people just, they want more of you. And yeah, I mean, I mean, it just is you, you know, and you can't really do anything about that. You just have to show up and people are like, Hey, you know, this guy is, he's, he's larger than life. (laughs) We want him. I mean, I wasn't like that all the time. I had some real, uh, (laughs) some real, uh, you know, uh, questions about myself, you know, through my, my journey, let's say, and I, I didn't feel like that at all all the time. And more recently, you know, that whole thing about fame, we know fame is a, is a huge behaviour to get habitual about, isn't it? People get really, you know, bless them, get hooked up on that stuff. I want to be famous, I want to be famous. And and it does give you a buzz. And, and then I sort of, I've sort of let go. And I'm, I suppose what the, the message is in this bit of it is that having the tools to be able to let go of that stuff, because often you just get you know, wound up and involved in it and you want more and more of it and, and, and it, it's probably addictive in its own right. Well, of course it is. And, 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 and you know, you know, the people who unfortunately, God rest their souls, have, you know, gone Love Island and think that, you know, going to have a career in TV when they come out and, and it doesn't happen. And, you know, there's that, that whole moment of fame for however long it is and then nothing. And it's hard. It really is hard to, to sort of let go of that stuff. And it took me a while to get me around that that was happening. And, and I wasn't, thank God, I wasn't too overly, I didn't miss it that much. I was all right about it. I'd done my bit. I thought I'd, I'd been out there enough, I, you know. Um, so, yeah, uh, but I loved it. It was great fun and, and good for making the records. We had the, I was on top of the pops with Blockster, which was number three in the charts. That, yeah. that is a... That is a pinnacle of a career. Top yeah, yeah, that's fine. Right. Oh, oh no, I mean, top of the pops. You know, how could it? How could it get any better? <laughs> that, that, you know, I pinch myself. Top of the pops on yeah. the deck, on the decks. You know, and, you know, I have. Wow, 
<laughs> yeah, I know, I know. That's fantastic. So, so I'd love to talk about the work that you've been doing now because you're very heavily involved in goal setting. You've been working with a lot of people with mental health problems. I just love to get into that whole mindset thing, personal development. What is it that you've learned really as a result of all your experiences that you're now bringing to to all of the people that are out there right now? Well, look, I mean, there's a few cliche, not cliche is the wrong word. There's a few quotes I can use and I like a few of them. So my take on it is that we, we, we should never stop not, not learning. Not, not, and I don't mean sitting down and yes, learning, but that never undermine or never underestimate the power of our mind because we, we adapt with, our surroundings don't forget so we are the ones who humans are creating all day long every day right stuff so you know we we have a capacity to change right and and adapt which means that if our behaviors are not doing as good i.e substances or food wherever it is you can change you have the capacity to change you don't although it's difficult it's an also to do with the environment and it's a lot of other factors but you do have the capacity to do that you it's not, you know, in here, it's the most incredible machine. I, and I, I've seen the power of my mind, what it does to me, right? Mm -hmm. When I, but sometimes it's, it's horrific, but yet again, I'm so in awe of it. And I just go, I just let it do what it's going to do because it's just incredible. But I think through my learning, I've learned that you can change. And, you know, I was reading something this morning about happiness and, and, and how we're, the happiness for us is manufactured so we're always out of control of our own happiness which is not really true because you can be happy in a cardboard box and just say i'm happy being in a cardboard box and if you this brings me on to the bit about marketing right so social media let's say for instance if if you imagine saying this every day you go to like go to your local uh supermarket or just go to your local boutique clothes shop and say so oh, got a lovely pair of um, Westwood jeans in for you, oh, lovely. But you know what? I'm really happy, so I don't need them. And walk out. And you go to the car show, and you go, I've got a lovely new Jaguar. And you go, oh, I'm really happy. I don't need that. I'm all out. So if you're happy with everything you don't have, you don't need anything, you're a marketer's nightmare. You're actually someone they don't really want. So you could just be happy in your own little world. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Definitely. I, I love that. I love that thought. It's so, the, yeah, definitely. So if you say if you say to yourself, I don't need anything, I'm just going to be happy with what I've got and don't compare myself and don't expect too much of yourself. Don't, you know, don't, this is the whole thing about targets, isn't it? Targets, you've got to achieve this, you've got to be like that, you've got to be perfect here. That's not perfect. That was perfect to what he did, and that, not you. you know, who, who makes this up? Mm -hmm. Who makes this stuff up? You know, like who said that the triple looks that that person did on the ice, compare it to who? Who made the rule that that's the perfect one? What about if you did the toe twisted about another 80 degrees? Wouldn't it be more perfect? And you go, oh, maybe then that's the perfect one. Yeah, but no, but then you could change it again and that would be perfect. So there's no such thing. It's the perfect, it's the perception of perfection that's wrong. Yeah, I love that. The perception of perfection. 
and, and I think you can have that one as mine yeah I like it I really like it Brendan I mean the thing is I, I'm a marketer you know that is my background so I spent a long time you know working in big advertising agencies in London you know global brands Coca-Cola British Airways Discovery Networks ITV you know all of those big brands so I I really understand marketing but I also understand the powerful influence of social media, which has really ramped everything up these days, hasn't it? And, and I think particularly for younger people, this whole pressure of kind of consumerism, I really noticed it with my children, you know, that that they feel as though if they don't have the right, I've got three girls, so they feel as though if they don't have the right brand of makeup, they're not acceptable to be taking pictures of themselves and putting them on Instagram. I mean, how crazy is that? You know, it, it is really nuts, isn't it? It's not It's not only nuts, it's really not good. It's not good no. for Because, you know, from a very young age now, you have the access to this information and technology, which is great for, if you can use it as business tools, and that solely, of course, it's great, because you can sell around the world without moving. But it's when this whole thing about, us being sharing our lives and then comparing themselves yeah. to other people. And that, so you don't live, there's that great term, isn't there, in authentic self, right? You're never going to be your authentic self when you're comparing yourself. You work, First thing you do, wake up in the morning, this is, I wasn't doing it for a long time and I've started again, which I'm going to stop. It's pick your phone up. But I don't have social media on my phone anymore. And I haven't had it since lockdown because I just didn't need it. I thought, what am I looking at other people's lives for? All I've got, all I need is right here. I've got my missus, I've got my garden, I've got my bike, I've got, you know, if I want to speak to my mates, I can call them on the phone. I've got my music, blah, blah, blah. So I took it off my phone. But the first thing you do is put the phone up in the morning. If the first thing they open is Instagram and Facebook, and you go, oh, look at, I want to be like that. And then you've completely lost yourself. And that, that won't stop halfway through the day. And I go, oh, you know what, I'm forgetting her now. I don't want to be like that, or him or her. I'll just be me. That don't happen. You'll be striving to be that person without actually revealing who you are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I think, I think for me, because I kind of grew up with marketing, I kind of understand that it's all fake, if you know what I mean. So for me, it's like there's a bit of a game, okay? There, there's like, yeah. okay, there's social media and then there's like real life. They're completely different. Yeah. And, and I understand that it's a game because I've been trained that way and I've been disciplined that way, you know, really right from the very start from because I entered, you know, like that career very young. But I think most people are not equipped and they get confused and they think that it, it is real and that actually, you know, as you said, they start comparing themselves to others and comparison is the thief of, thief of joy, isn't it? You know, we really, we should only compare ourselves to our own standards, our own goals. And I guess that's that's really as well, you know, this is where we met. We met at, you know, Brian's goal mapping workshop, right? So, so that's where that kind of goal setting, goal mapping or whatever comes in. And I know that you're really passionate about that as well, aren't you, Brandon? Well, well the thing about goal mapping is, and I found this because there's a lot of personal personal development programs. I love it. People share their experiences of mm -hmm. finding. But the thing is all about money. It's about how to make more money or how to make, uh, at the end of it, you can live a better life, have a lovely 
whatever, but you have to, you'll have to pay for it at the end of it. There's always money at the end of it. And, I, and, and I, when you work in the environment that I did with the drugs and alcohol and, and, you know, coming from a place of helping people, I just found it really sort of imposter syndrome-y, I suppose, to go then coaching, and which I do now, but I, only friends who need help. I, I, I went to, after the, the, my Tony Robbins experience, after Big Brother, I went to, when I was really like, emotionally drained, I went to the Yes Group in London, which is run by my mate Carl Pearsall. Yeah. About the Yes Group, it's a personal development group based on sort of Tony Robbins type events. It's a yeah. great place to go and meet entrepreneurs who are finding their way in, you know, in life and have some great offerings. It's fantastic if you want to go and see it, and it happens every Wednesday. I'm has been for a while, but yeah, check it out. Yes Group online. But yeah. um, I met Brian at this event, and I, I just thought I, I love that program. It resonates with me because I was quite creative. It's about creating. It's about creating and drawing pictures that matter. So I hope I know. I hope you're all aware of visual boards. I'm sure you've heard of dream boards, visual boards, all that stuff. So if you imagine that and putting a dream board on the wall. So I would have a Lamborghini Countach on my wall when I was a kid, the, the black one out of uh, Cannibal Run. But I, had a, I thought I'll have a Lamborghini Countach one day, as all the kids did in the 1980s, right? But there's no route to get to it. There's no. There's no way to. There's no like road map or who I've, you know, so goal mapping works because you get your picture of what you want, you put it on the wall and then you make your route to get to it. So yes. it's, you have, it's about creativity and it's about having all of your brain used. So there's a, an articulate side which you learn to read with, add up with, count with, and just articulate with. And then you've got the creative side where you can draw. So if I say to you, it's true. If you say pink elephants, you probably see pink elephants. You don't see the word pink elephant in luminous. I actually do, but so I used to go a couple of pink elephants. But um, and then what you do is it gives you a chance. You because you can't keep it all up here. You've got to put it down because that you get overwhelmed. And you put it on paper. And it gives you who you got to ring, who you got to call, who you got to invoke. It's about you making your own map to this goal. And eventually, what happens to you over time because you look at it every day. You start doing it, and before you know it, you've done it, and you think, "Yeah." Oh, six months ago, I wanted that, and now I've got it, and I didn't realise how I did it because I just instead of having a random, it's like having your own structured day if you're not working uh, like full time, normal like daytime hours. It's like having a structured day because you look at it and you think, "Right now, I've got to do that, 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 I've got to do that," and you do it all because it's it leading you to your goal of passion. Yeah. It really resonated with me, and I loved it. And I became a practitioner, and I, and I, I know, I know now it's been used in in recovery models because no one's ever tried that. And I think you know, people when they get caught up in in uh, those bad habits, to be able to express themselves creatively is key. And having it written down and seeing it and seeing what they're you know, I'm able to get this or able to do this is a massive, a massive motivation, motivational tool. I've written my own sort of program called life blocks or life yeah so blocks in life but also building blocks of life nice so yeah goal mapping is incredible and for those of you who are wanting to achieve stuff and it's really lovely and easy to follow so it's brian main's goal mapping if you want to look at that my life blocks aren't out yet but i'm working on them and it's very simple it's similar but it's um it's quite cool 
Yeah. So, I mean, what are you going to do, Brandon? Because, you know, you're a big, when I say an influencer, I, I don't mean that in a, you know, social media sense. But what I mean is that there's a lot of people out there that want to listen to you. They follow you. If you brought something out, well, you are going to bring something out that, that is your own sort of system and methodology. How are people going to be able to access it? Because I know that people will want to. Well, I mean, look, you know, I, I, I will use it for what it's used for and use it for business tool like everyone else and let people know about it. But, you know, I've, I've taken a job recently with another drug service locally in Bournemouth. So I'll be doing that and DJing. Chances are I will give the programme away when it comes out. You know, yeah. I, I, I think I'll just let people have it. But I've already spoken to the, the organisation about running a workshop, i.e. a gold mapping workshop or a life box workshop. And they're really up for it because I don't think they get a chance to see um, the world from, you know, that side. I think the whole world of personal development is fantastic, but it, it's it's for people who want to be entrepreneurs or want to achieve massive things as opposed to everyday people who don't realise they're actually caught up in a real shitstorm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes, I absolutely do because in a way, I mean, I stumbled across – personal development as you said you know it really for me the entrepreneurial thing kind of came first and then and then the personal development is like okay so you know get on the personal development journey because it's going to help you achieve your goals but at the same time I was aware that I mean look my background I've got a lot of family issues you know the mental health addiction you know that's the background that I come from and I know that there are people everywhere who struggle with those issues and yeah. they can really benefit from just being taught to look at life differently that's, um, that's the fundamental thing it's about it's about changing that initial thought in the morning isn't it because you know you get out of bed and say I feel like shit you're gonna feel like shit if you don't get out of bed and say, you say, you know what, today, although it may not present or there's stuff going on, but what I also do is I tend to, in the evening, write my list before I go to bed for the next day. So I'm not thinking about anything I've got to do. I've already written it down and it, it's there. So I know that's um, ready to go whenever it is. And I don't prioritize. I just do the stuff that's important. And if it doesn't get done that day, it means it probably needs to do wait to the next day. On the back of the goal mapping and everything else and this whole journey, I met a few really cool people through this environment. Michelle Allen, who's my partner in the charity, Happy Days for Everyone, and many other trustees who are part of it at the moment, now, sorry. And we just worked, we, 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 we sat and we met, we cried for three days with each other in, in, in a shed in my old house. We just talked about our experiences and how, how bound up we were because we hadn't shared them for so long. And we just cried and we cried. I said, well, how can we help people? So what we worked out was, but I realised I did my goal map in eight months and I'd achieved every goal on it, right? So what I realised was, but he was right, Brian. So every day you look at something and you do it slightly differently or you do something small, you make big changes. And if you don't make the changes too tough for yourself, like literally a really small thing you haven't, you've procrastinated about or something you really, really didn't do or something you, you wanted to do, you've been fearful about doing, but you do it and it just, it's all right. And you do it again, and then you do nothing different the next day. And then slowly you build momentum, and slowly you do these changes, and it becomes less fearful, and you do it. And it's just great. So uh, on that level of happiness to, you know, if you, if you, if you just pretend to be slightly, and pretend, fake it or make it, if you just pretend to be happy in every day, what happens is you start building your levels of happiness. And yeah. Become, over time you become more happy. 
Listen, yeah, I love that. So Shaquille says, Brandon Block, you're a generous man. God bless you, brother. Shaquille. Yeah, Shaquille, yeah. He says, yeah, do you know Shaquille? He says, we met at Yes Group London with Alan Cleans. Oh, he's in Alan, is he now? Is he there now? Yeah, I know you. You see, like, like all these, all these, all your fans are here tonight, aren't they, Brandon? I should yeah. love him, man. He's such a lovely man. I love yeah. you, mate. I really miss you. <laughs> I love you well. And Alan, I love Alan. Oh, he's great, isn't he, Alan Clearance? I, oh, you know, yeah. powerful. Yeah, I, mean, I miss all these people. We met. I met some fantastic yeah. people in 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 the last few years, and we just lost touch. But we do look occasionally. We see each other, and, and big love to you all. And really lovely to see you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so Brandon, if if any of our viewers or listeners want to get in touch with you or find out more about the work that you're doing, what's the best place to to uh, find you? Well, look, what I'm going to say is, if anyone's struggling, if anyone is feeling overwhelmed with life or substances, or you know, and secretly knows it's not doing them good. Don't be afraid to reach out. Really do that. Just and you can get me on. You can send me a message on Messenger. I'm not hard to find. Or Instagram. If I can make a point you in the right direction, possibly if it's if it's something you're looking for. I know it's really hard to reach out. Don't be afraid to do it because yeah, problem aired, problem shared, all that stuff. You got to do it, man. Because I can't see this world getting any much easier very soon. So don't be alone. Don't suffer in silence. Reach out. And I know, look, we're not, yeah, I mean that. And, and I should kill and all that. There's a, there's a wealth of experience out there to, to help you through these tough times and, and, you know, be successful as well, I suppose. And for those of you who, who want entrepreneurial, that's what you want to be, then, you know, take every opportunity to listen to Jane and, you know, goal mapping is an incredible tool. Just get as much of those free content you can yeah yeah um but yeah there's some i think what i've i think it was become apparent or became apparent was you know that there were some really incredible people out there doing some really lovely work and that was before all this stuff in covid so you know there's a massive community of people helping people already anyway and there's more of it so just reach out man and if i can help you i will do but there are many, many people who can do exactly the same. But yeah. Yeah, thank you so much, Brendan. It's been such a pleasure um, speaking to you tonight. I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to have you on the show. Yeah, lots of appreciation. So thank you so much, Brandon. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Jane. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I really hope I didn't uh, ruin your evening. Take care of yourselves. God bless. listening in if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to rate and review my podcast as it will help me bring the power of connection to the world i work one-to-one to help entrepreneurs ignite the power of authentic connection in their businesses and lives i also help them accelerate their results through attracting and converting more of their ideal clients and if this is something you'd like to do too why not head on over to www.idealclientsuccess.com masterclass and I'll show you how.